Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and it is October 13th, and I have another really interesting statement uh, in reference to the seventh planet, and it's um, debt enslavement, CERN, and a lot of different things. This guy knows a lot This is going to be one of my focal points that I'm going to look at from now on. Because they're like, they're good. Hey guys, what is going on? It is Jay Campbell from the TRT Revolution and the Definitive Testosterone Replacement Therapy Manual, and I am joined by my great friends on our newly coined and named the Decoders of Truth podcast. I've got, of course, Gerald Clark, Rex Baer from The Leak Project, and Matthew LaCroix with his book, The Suppression of Us, and of course, everybody knows Gerald's books. And I just wanna make one message tonight for everybody that's watching. Um, We've got a lot of people join our Facebook group now. So when you're watching this on YouTube, if you're not in that group, uh, it's currently called Coders of Truth on Facebook. So we'll put a link to it, but we have a lot of people joining the group. It's the easiest way for you guys to connect with us and leave us your questions and your comments and just, you know, so we can keep the message resonating, so to speak, and vibrating on a week-to-week basis. So I'm going to jump in, you know, not say hi to everybody. We have some deep, deep, deep questions that we're going to cover tonight and Jerry's going to tackle the first one and uh, it's really so how does one remove themselves from the matrix aka the simulator however you want to phrase it and yet still put food on the table table and have funds to purchase reading material basically how do you survive and remove yourself from the simulation Gerald well first of all I don't think you can remove yourself from the simulation. You got to figure out how to operate differently and not violate your integrity. And this is really what it comes down to is um, when you switch over from a mission that's all about seeking money so that you can have a comfortable life, building a big house, putting a fence around it, sheltering yourself in so you feel secure at night with your family. That's, that's one path that most people have been told that's the American dream or whatever dream from the country you're from, right? You get your little, you get your little uh, palatial setting where you feel comfortable and you can check out behind your secure wall and not deal with the simulator, right? That's, that's what we all do. So, you ask somebody if they could get a bunch of money, what they would do? Oh, I'd go off to some remote place. And, you know, well, this is why they want that, right? But the reality is when you switch over to be on a spiritual path, in essence, you've given over complete will to serve yourself, to at least be somewhat open to serving others uh, some percentage of your time. Usually it turns out to a small part that turns into almost all your time <laughs> eventually, right? Service to others is what happens. Well, in that case, when you stop serving yourself, you become somewhat reliant on 
on the community that you're serving to support you, which is an act of faith in and of itself. Right. And a lot of people in religious communities and churches would oftentimes get sponsorship by their community to go proselytize and do their mission or whatever it is the church wanted them to do, right? But they would be supported by the community to do that. So, so, the, yeah, so the question is, how do you get to the place where you're not trying to accumulate wealth to provide security for yourself? Because listen, security is one of our biggest issues in life. If we don't feel secure, then we end up at the low end of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Right. If you're only worried about the, the basic issues of survival, you're not thinking about the kind of stuff we're talking about on a show like this. Exactly. Okay, so that does, those don't go hand in hand, all right? So how, so how do you do this? Well, first of all, number one for me, you cannot live a spiritual life if you're a slave to someone else. So you right. gotta, get, gotta get rid of your debt. You cannot have debt. I don't care if that means you cannot have a phone, you cannot have everything everyone else has. Get rid of your debt. Otherwise, you're vulnerable to being manipulated by uh, the system. So that's number one for me, is you gotta do that. Okay, if that means paring down your big house, to living at much more living within your means better yet live below your means so that you're not <laughs> not in that situation so that's number one for me and that means big life changes and people don't like that uh, for me personally it meant leaving a million dollar home in southern california built in the first days of the development fully landscaped yard that was worth 50 grand in and of itself you know what it is jay yes to selling everything i had Staying on my, my path, not selling out to go back into a situation where I couldn't be this, at the same level of service to others as I had been before. If you go back in and enslave yourself, it's very, very hard to do and serve others. It's almost impossible. Impossible, really. It's very, very hard. So I'm glad you brought this question up. But incrementally, keep your day job and start serving others a little bit at a time as you can start a podcast something that doesn't cost any money exactly and start start doing that and eventually um, i think the universe will reach out and initiate you and go okay this one is telling the truth it's serving our purposes for the light and we're going to find a place to make this one sustainable and somehow some way out of an act of faith that seems to happen but it takes it takes time especially if you're self-published like you and i matt you got to be able to be prepared to run a marathon. And, yeah. So, but if you, if you can stay in this mission and on your path for at least two or three years so you can bubble up beyond the noise and people find out about you, you'll garner support. And I've seen people talking about you, Matt, just that way because I remember I was in the same place you were when right. I started. You know, and it's been, you know, it's been since 2003 when I, or 2013 when I actually really started pushing my research but the same things happening to you that happened to me right so so these little steps you take and you're working a day job right you're still going to your day yeah job. it's it's a it's, flexible it's day job yeah, yeah. well yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you talk about it because you you're just starting on this and and you're about to make some big changes i think yep. for <laughs> so sure it's already happening it, it is interesting it's kind of it's kind of where um you have that moment in your life where you decide how am i going to spend my free time you know isn't that i always like to bring that up right it's just it's just kind of this telling thing that's still left in our society where we have these moments where we have we have free time where we're allowed to do whatever we want it, and you begs the question why isn't all our time free so um 
when I say free time is the time that you have available to yourself, what are you doing with it? Are you are you using it to expand yourself? Are you using it to do um, to connect to nature? Are you using it are you using it to better yourself or are you using it to just continue to enslave for money like like Jerry was saying? Continuing to be on the in the, on this rat wheel, the rat wheel of the matrix of of money and the control of materialism in our society, the great the great illusion of us and what controls our perceptions of what is real. And so you must first break away from that of the idea of what am I doing, spending my time on? Am I focusing on getting material items or like Jerry also brought up the idea we have to first get rid of our debt and all of these things, these material things that we're forced to pay for once we have because we think that those are going to lead to happiness and they only lead to more debt, which which then leads to having to having to work more. And so get rid of all the, all the, all the debt you can, get to a comfortable, happy place and then with that free time that you have, that, that the open time that you're not focusing and dedicating to those other distractions, then take it to enhance yourself. Doesn't mean everyone has to become, you know, the, the carrier of the torch of thought and then dedicate every single moment of their life to, to truth. But it but it means maybe they can become a really good person and help other people. You know, there are different levels and degrees of what this path has to be. People don't listen. Don't have to be fearful that everything in their life life has to be thrown up in the in the air and it's all over with. It's more of um, decide for yourself what you want to do with this time while you're here and what is actually going to better yourself. And I can tell you, once you do those things that um, that enhance you, you'll feel that you're on that right path because you get energy boost from it. Just every time you do something good, that's why people always talk about it. you. Do something good, you feel good after because there's a very good purpose behind that's that. Absolutely, um, we're supposed to do good things, not true. bad things. Yeah, there's no doubt. Rex, Rex, are you there? Oh yeah. Okay. So thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. Well, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is I've had just about every job you can think of under the sun. Literally, by the time I was 21, I probably had 30 different jobs. And awesome. I literally, and I would just get bored. I would do something for a week, and I, I would lose my mind. So I would, I would go on to other things. And it seems like when you finally find your stride and you hit your path, that's it. You'll know it because the universe, like Gerald said, will start putting things right in front of you, and you can take advantage of those opportunities. And if you can find some way to have a win-win situation with everybody, that's the key. And get rid of the, you know, get rid of. Okay, well, I, I want to do good for just this group of people or that. Right. Group you can find a way to help everybody i think is you look at somebody you don't like and you're looking at another part of yourself essentially i mean that's that's what i've come to the conclusion of with all the people that i've worked with in the past when i can't stand a boss because he's just really trying to give me that superiority complex and, and prove his mind hard to figure well out. really when you just kind of let that go and be like water and realize if we're all connected at some primordial level mm-hmm. and we're looking at somebody else we don't like them well that's just another part of ourselves a part of our consciousness so to let it go and and just realize everybody's on their own path so that's kind of where i'm at right now and just trying to learn as much as i can but as much as we can break away from the system i think the better you know if that's what you want to do i mean if you want to be a part of the system and live in the suburbs or the big city hey good for you if you want to have a four million dollar home in southern california that's awesome and wear a rolex and drive a ferrari hey fantastic if you want to be somebody that wants to make change in communities and, and buy up land and, and start building stuff off the grid and waking people up, that's great too. I think you just need to find what you enjoy and go after that because then it's not your I, I agree. Well, very well. So let me ask you if you don't mind asking because I mean I already know this about Matt and, and, and Gerald, but do you 
is the majority, if not all of your income derived from all of your projects with the leak project right now, or do you do other stuff or have other side income streams? Yeah, there's other things that happen with, you know, I do all sorts of things and um, being in public speaking, it's nice mm -hmm. because you can make a lot of friends and acquaintances, meet a lot of people, go to different places around the world. And, and it's, it's really good to make those personal relationships because I've got acquaintances and literally just about every field or line of work you can think of and their personal relationships to where they'll listen to me and I'll listen to them. And I think if we can all do that, that's going to be that key ingredient to really making change that's going to have an impact long term. Otherwise, we're just going to be continuing to go inside of this narcissistic matrix, you know, posting everything on social media and not really talking to our friends in yeah. real life, just saying, hey, look at me, look what I can do. I completely agree. It's all about collaboration. Very well said. It's not add, about competing. It's about collaboration. I wanted to also uh, add something what Rex said. Uh, something that really I was struggling with when I was going through structure work in Hawaii. I'll never forget this minute, this moment. I was in the back of a truck and we were riding up to Mount Waialeale. And there was a couple other people in the back of the vehicle. And I was a pretty type A person most of my life, I would have to say. Pretty competitive, too. And uh, we were having a conversation, I remember, and, and this person said something, and I remember automatically just saying something, you know how you do to connect with them, to come up, bring up a common topic, so you're talking the same subject with them, right? But when I heard myself say it, I heard myself kind of one-upping the person, right? And so the competitiveness was even showing up in my conversations, and I, I was not aware of it at the time. So. And, so, and finally, um, I got right with myself and I decided, you know what, at some point, you've got to figure out the difference between a preference and a judgment. Yeah. And, it, and so, and, and I could do it with widgets and objects and inanimate things, you know, I prefer this over that. But when I found myself doing it with humans, it felt like judgment to me. Right. Until I got, until I got to a place where I saw it from a frequency standpoint, and now I don't see referring to work with this one over that one as a judgment. It's it's a preference to me based on my sense of frequency. And I don't think that's I don't think that's wrong. That's awesome. That's profound. You know what I'm so I share that because um, like you and when you start getting more in the limelight, you're gonna get requests from all over <laughs> and every different direction. And to decide what you wanna do with your time and who you're gonna do it with, that's that's your choice. Right. But you don't want others that don't get down selected right away to view that, that you're judging them. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Because it's, it's not a judgment. Well, let me let me just say real quick, like, you know, my mission parameters right now in life and how. So this question resonates very deeply with me. I, you know, I haven't shared this with Rex. I've shared this with you guys in a previous call. But, like, my book is, like, exploding right now. You know, it's the number one book that's ever been written in, in its sphere right now. I have doctors that want to work with me. I have all of these people that want to, you know, work with me in the quote-unquote simulator. And it's it's kind of harrowing for me because, like, I have all these different directions to go and all of this quote-unquote, you know, fame and fortune that can be found behind it. And as I've told Gerald, and obviously Matt knows, and I'll tell you, Rex, like, the deeper part of Jay Campbell is, like, being called to go to Tibet. And like work with this bankers legitimately who's legitimately I'm not kidding you like sending me messages you know she's in a 12 hour time difference or whatever where she's at she's not in Tibet she's in India yeah isn't um, she she's in she's in Dharamsala India Dharamsala India she's in, uh, 
10 years into her seeking and, and doing this, you know, working with masters and, and she's truly a mesmerizing individual if you see her posts and stuff like that. And it's like, it's very conflicting. But anyway, her and I have had conversations and she said, you can't do what you want to do deep down spiritually because you're a father and you have children. And, you know, your children right now because of their ages come first and just do what you're doing, continue on your mission. So again, this, this statement and this question has very, very deeply resonates within me of what I should do. And so I'm glad that we're talking about it because it does at times really affects me. And I, I sometimes go to bed at night thinking like, what the hell am I doing? You know, I'm selling out because I'm so focused on making money and all these other things that come with what's where I'm going. But I think ultimately, and, and Gerald, you, you've said this to me and thank you has helped me. And her name's Marlene. Yeah. But she says, you just have to manifest the goodness and manifest the service to others. And as yes. long as you manifest that, whatever you do, you will not be in service of self and you will not have money or the pursuit of money as the primary focus of your life. And as long as it's not, you don't have to worry because wherever you're going, you're going to help other people. And, and, and Jay, think about it this way. Um, to be successful during this, you have to be good at the game because it, it takes money to, to get through Absolutely. this life. So for, I don't see it as a sellout. I see it as if you were, if you were doing doing this work with a book to be successful, but in your other spare time, you're working on truth and trying to spread the message. Why is that necessarily a bad thing? Because you're, you're, you're mastering the game on, on both aspects. I don't see that as a bad thing in any way. Well, it may, it may turn out that you start out that way and you, you keep one foot in your normal life. I did that too for a while. But as you get further and further along and you start getting traction, you're going to see that keeping a foot in that space is really not serving you spiritually, but just feeding your resources may not be needed anymore. And I found, I found actually another thing really interesting is when I had the least amount of money and the least amount of attachment, basically living in a travel trailer in a foreign country <laughs> on the go. I mean, when you in, a, in the middle of a storm, just imagine, okay, how unattached you can feel to everything. Yeah, absolutely. It was at those points when you found deep with it and you learned to really connect with your higher self and get that experience of being guided by your inner truth is when you had the least sense of security in the world. That's why you were it the strongest. And I was like, wow, no wonder people want to live like aesthetics and get away all the material things and go, you know, be at the whims of nature because that's where you connect with uh, very deep forces that are guiding you. Uh, you don't have to stay there forever, but recognize that that happens in those circumstances. And, it, and I think it helps you not to be so attached to things that rust and thieves are going to destroy this reality and try to focus on things that clearly have eternal archetypal lessons for your spirit. Right? right. Absolutely. Well said. Right on. Cool, man. Well, that's. I'm, I'm glad we covered this question because I know it's on the top of people's minds, and uh, it's obviously it's very, very heavily resonating. It's um, not, so the, yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's really not. It's not, and I'm sure it'll come up. It'll come up in other times and stuff like that. But let's. But it, it kind of moves. So it kind of moves on to the next question, and and that's the focus and the pursuit of money. So you know, again, how does one best do it? and still always serve others. 
you know, and I mean, before you guys answer, let me just preface this. Like, let's think of this like from an actor standpoint, right? Like we all know actors or we've seen actors who become so, and I, and, and unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, I run in some circles. I have some actors who are, you know, B-list, A-list friends. A couple guys are A-list friends or, or I'm associated with. And I see how some of the fame and the fortune, quote unquote, has changed them from a personality standpoint. And you, it just... When you're aware, especially at the levels most of us are, and you see when a person is completely in service to self, you see how their circles are affected and how their behavior is affected. So I think that's a perfect point for people watching the show to understand what we're talking about. So how does one become successful, make a good amount of money, and still stay in service to others? Yeah. Hey, I want to mention to that question, the more successful someone is with the system, with money and success, like you mentioned actors and you know the idea of being like an idol and worshiped almost, the more successful someone is, the harder it is for them to break out and wake right. up. And so those need to be looked at. You, you gotta say at one point, are you playing the game? Did you play the game so much that you forgot what the whole, the, you know, the whole purpose of, the, of it was all along and kind of the distraction became the, the focus. And so we must we must kind of remember that it's a distraction, but we still have to we still have to perform the distraction because that the distraction is what uh, is the model of everything in society. You know the great the great distraction and illusion of money, and us you know fighting over these artificial numbers in some in some system that aren't even a real resource or anything. And so and, and so we we have we can we can play the game to be successful and to find happiness, but but not in a way to to, to kind of chase materialism a way to, to maybe find a peaceful, happy place where we can then expand ourselves. Right, right Gerald? Yeah, let me give you an example. Um, and I've been all around the world, and i found that happiness is absolutely uncorrelated with material gain. I agree 100%. And, and one of the best examples for me was uh, while I was uh, living on Kauai studying structural integration, uh, there was a group of people, and you saw people doing pretty extreme things on their spiritual path in Hawaii. Uh, I don't know why. It's like it's like going on Interstate 8, landing in San Diego. You're at the end. <laughs> There's an ocean. You can't go any farther, and that's where you stop, right? Kind of like that. Well, the Nepali coastline was that in Kauai. And there was a group of people that had figured out that there's so much natural food growing on the island that if they had a way to make a fire and had a pot to cook something in, they could survive up off this little valley and off the Pali coastline and not own land, not have a job, do nothing but just be. And that, that the idea of doing that to most people that have a secure living and are going someplace, it means you can't fathom it. It is, crazy, un, it is right? unfathomable. Oh, I okay. can fathom but it. If you do it just for a little bit, you'll find out. It's I like living in a travel trailer. Okay. You find out you don't need all of that it's so stuff. freedom and taunting. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah, so you take yourself wherever you go, and you learn to be whoever you are wherever you go, and you're not who you are because of what you got or what you're doing. You know, And when you finally get to that place, it changes a lot of things for you. It's part yeah, of the spirit. You it's, part of spirit path. it's part of your spirit. So, so it's funny that you mentioned that because the most cathartic slash liberating experience of my life 
was when I realized, not realized, I mean, I was going through the divorce, but I was downsizing from a 4,400 square foot home in Las Vegas in Red Rock Country Club, in a very ritzy part of Red Rock Country Club, Las Vegas. And my kids have been kidnapped from me, and I've been, you know, in jail and charged with like multiple, you know, completely fabricated uh, charges. But multiple- hey, I, you're telling my story. This is not allowed. Right, you can you can come. You, yours can come right after this. But I remember, and and you can, Gerald, this is going to resonate so deeply with you. Um, I remember being in my garage of this house, and I had just had the day before. I'd been on, you know, Craigslist. All the Craigslist bargain hunters had come through my house and just eviscerated everything for nothing, dollars on, you know, peanuts. Mm-hmm. And there was not much left. But I was going through um, Christmas and Halloween decorations and whatever, and you know, and there were sentimental value, right? Because it was Trotsky's and stuff for my kids and stuff like that. And I was just like. My God, I'm losing everything. And one of my really, really good friends, who's, I won't mention his name, but he's very, very well-to-do, very, very successful, lives in a $3 million house in Valencia, California. Just out of the blue, he just randomly texted me, and I said, hey, can we talk for a second? Can I call you? You know, because I was melting down. And when I told him what I was thinking, he was like, Jay, and I mean this in all sincerity, I will switch with you right now. Do you have any idea how lucky you are right now to be getting rid of all of that meaningless stuff? All of this stuff, right? This stuff that's housed that you keep, like, you know, Jerry, like you said, these things that you hold on to that people feel they put meaning and substance to that are literally stuff. It's like you're hoarding things that have no intrinsic value other than what you label them. And so he completely, you know, paradigm shifted me. And made me start thinking that this was a great start for me because now I'm going to be, like you were saying, Gerald, in a small one-bedroom apartment downsized with nothing other than my things and my clothing. And it's a fresh, clean start. But it took that, you know, for a guy living Mm -hmm. in a seven or 8,000 square foot house with all these things saying, dude, I will switch places with you. Sometimes that's what it takes is to have it all pulled out. Yes. So then you realize how enslaved you are to it. Exactly. And that's what he said. He goes, Jay, this is the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. Embrace this opportunity. Well, that's, that is one of the downfalls of success, actually. Uh, speaking of that, uh, you know, there's a tradition in India where Marlene lives. and That uh, by the time men reach the age of 40, they're in certain traditions. They don't all do it, but they would give away everything that they have. And they knew that that was the period that they went on their spiritual path for yeah. until. So you had, they had to force getting rid of all the materialism. I did a walkabout. Truly connect with us. Now, How awesome. So think about it. I was really 40 years old when that happened. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. I really was. Symbolically, this was in 2011. Well, look how far, you, look how far you've come in five years. You're right. So, I mean, but think about that. That really was that part, whatever that's called in, you know, in Indian terms, you know, it's like giving up your dowry or whatever, giving up all the possessions. It's like, that, wow, that's that's they deep. do that's resonating about with me right now. But that's, that's probably too. what happened. Well, uh-huh. that's, why, that's probably why you want to go over to uh, live healthy. the life of the masters of the you know, Far East. Maybe. Leave everything. <laughs> well, Rex, Rex, you're still there. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Rex? I'll tell you, it's fascinating stuff. When you were bringing up earlier about how you really want to go over to, you said Tibet, right? I was thinking about right? going I mean, on Tibet. Uh, you know, work with, like Gerald said, ascended masters, train so. under them. Well, I actually, it's funny you say that because I just got done working with somebody that actually went out to Tibet and he was there for about four months and he just went on this vision quest. He's into yoga and stuff like that. He said, man, to 
the women out here are just beautiful, Rex. You got to come out here. I said, well, you know, I, I can't. But you know, he, he said, hey, man, it's just, it was just it blew his mind, and he came back from there. I can tell he was a changed man, but he wants to go there again. And as far as the material stuff, it's not really a big deal to him. And you know, myself personally, do you own stuff or does stuff own you? It's it's great to have nice things, but do you want to have a whole bunch of stuff to where you can't keep track of it? I would much rather be out on the you know, at some nice peak in the mountains where it's 13,000 feet up or, or doing something out in the open instead of worrying about a giant mortgage <laughs> take care of, you know, all these bills and issues because bills and issues, everybody has bills and issues, but it seems like people that, you know, okay, I got to get a bigger house, a bigger car. I got a bigger TV and, and look, my neighbors, they just got a new yard. So my yard's going to be better than theirs and they can't even keep up and they're paying these bills that they, they really, even though they're making great money, it's tough for them to save enough to where if they lost their job three months down the road, they'd be toast financially. There's no doubt. I got a little golden nugget for you. Uh, Krista and I sat down one day and we tried to assess what are the key things that we need for us to be happy. Coffee, and it was just, just a short medicine, list, just a short list. It was like, sleep. okay, we need a, a room with a great view. You know, something inspiring when you look out. Absolutely. You know, because you, you spend a lot of time indoors as a human. So when you look out, you want to see something inspiring. Um, you want to have a great mission. And you and you simply want to have enough resources to do that mission. You give me those, and I'm going to be happy. So, Ger- so Gerald, that's, you just, those are mesmerizing. So define, wow. define a great mission, you know, for not for us, but for the audience. What defines a great mission? Well, when you... Do something to serve others. Generally, you become like a free agent, and the universe will use you wherever it needs you. And, that, and when you find that out, it's like, oh God, you can tell you're being used right now because you're burning it at both ends. Yeah. You don't know where this inspiration's coming, but you're putting it out there. And then all of a sudden, you get a break and you get it put out to the pasture with Joe for a little while, right? <laughs> and when you end up on this path, that's what generally seems to happen. So. If you were to say something to the effect of who I am is the possibility of possibilities, in other words, you're saying, forget my will, what I want, use me to service of others. And when you, you do that, when you do that, you get everything you need, okay? When you yeah. are someone else, it's, it comes back to you. So, so I, can't, I, I can't agree more. I mean, you're, you're so right. I mean, I mean, you're a perfect example of that right now. You're being called by multiple different creatures and entities and people from all around everywhere. And it's like when you're pulled in so many different directions, sometimes you can, can get confused or mm-hmm. as to what direction you go. But right now, I know you're just choosing to go, like you say, glide path and where, wherever, wherever it feels natural. But now, you, now you just said the exact key word is how do you know that you're doing your mission? Well, guess what? You're going to wake up in the morning. It's going to feel right. It's going to get you out of bed. If you're, right. if you're doing something that's not, that you can't even get out of bed in the morning, you've got to change. You're on Absolutely. the wrong thing. Yeah. On the wrong thing. And how many people, though, how many people, seriously, let's be honest, we'll go back to that whole 90, 95% club. How many people truly wake up every morning inspired, excited about what their day encompasses? 5%, yeah. 10% tops? 20% at the most. Oh, uh, five, maybe 5%. Right. Most people are working, absolutely don't want to work. They're, they're working, trying to figure out how to get out of it so they medicine. have free time and do what they want. I'm actually kind of amazed how positive people actually are doing the, the jobs that they do every day. It's, 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 to me, it's, you know, that grind of that rat race. There's a lot of lithium in the drinking water. 
Yeah, and there's a reason why it's called a rat race, because it's like being in a rat cage, just running around. In, in, in my book, The Illusion of Us, I mentioned how money materialism is kind of like, it's, it's, it's like the farmer leading all the sheep, you know, humanity, the, the collective of humanity along with this parrot. And care, the carrot represents materialism and money. And they never actually get yeah. that carrot. If they just right. keep around throughout the farm, right? And it's just it, because it's, it's unobtainable. They're never going to get it because it's not real. It's, it's just it's, it's the illusion of distracting them for, uh, from the focus of their time. What are they going to spend their time that they have, this vital time, in this, in this current mortality? What are they going to do with it? What are they going to focus it on, right? So it comes down to what Gerald and what, you know, all of us have discussed previously about, you know, it's our DNA. I mean, we've literally been tweaked and tuned to to pursue, you know, these false constructs, um, you know, for whether it's because we're just miners or the primitive worker. And, you know, we've just evolved a little bit due to technology and obviously our, our time on Earth or, our you know, our evolution as a species. But it's all, it truly is all fascinating that some of us, you know, as we say, you know, can somewhat rise up out of the simulator to embrace, you know, whether it's entrepreneurialism, you know, breaking off the grid, connecting with nature, doing whatever it is that we do. I mean, obviously, we're all like-minded people. That's why we're here. But you're right. So there's so few of us. Uh, I was uh, I was thinking about that. You know, uh, you're this gal, uh, Marlene, said something that struck me on my YouTube channel. And I think you made a comment, Jay, something about there's just not enough of us. And she said, well, guess what? It only takes the square root of 1% of the population to reach the 100 monkey theorem. That's right. right. And you know what I found myself doing? I had to go calculate 1% of 7 billion people and took the square root of it. And do you know what that number came out to be? What was it? It was only like just over 8,000. I was like, really? And there's millions of us. You, we know you know yeah, that. So, so the idea that it only I don't know where she came up with that number to be the 100 monkey there but I thought it was interesting <laughs> but I had to sit down and calculate it and go well what does that come well, out to so well I think let's let's see right now then for a second because it goes into what we were talking about off the air about so you just said Matt let's let's stay there and then we'll, we'll tackle these other questions in a minute but you're right there are millions of us and there's becoming even more millions of us by the day, shit, by the hour. Mm-hmm. And all of, us, all of us can use the Facebook story and Rex can talk about all the different people he interviews and all the kooks and the aware people and the seekers that are on his channel because he has a massive audience. But it's truly amazing when you start talking to some of these people. And as I told these guys, I'll share my story real quick, but I, a lot of people, because, you know, this is big, we're, we're, we're gaining notoriety from the group, from YouTube, whatever. A lot of people are coming out of my past now and reaching out to me and saying, wow, Jay, I had no idea that you were into this stuff, quote unquote, seeking alternative consciousness, you know, esoteric, all these things. And they're telling me stories and all of them have the same root, root issue of I just woke up one day and I was drawn to this. So, so let me ask you, Matt, let's go first. And obviously, I know you wrote a little bit about this in your, in your book, The Illusion of Us. But isn't it not true that people literally are waking up right now due to some sort of cosmic, you know, whether it's radiation, solar waves, whatever, but some sort of radiation that's emanating now from the universe, whether it's the orbital passage of Nibiru, whatever, people are just all of a sudden waking up being tuned differently than they've been tuned all the rest of their, their previous lives. You know, when, when I was doing this research and looking into all these things, one of the most fascinating aspects of this was the Mayan culture, you know, and of course inspired by 
Thoth the Atlantean. Um, but the, the idea that they have pyramids that are built to basically show the levels of where consciousness would be at a certain point in time. So they could, they could look out through the cosmos and say, we're going to look at the vibrational wobbles of the planets and where the zodiacal houses are lining up and where this, maybe the sun sunspots and the energy is coming in. And we can actually time and, pr- and predict when c- consciousness within the collective will reach a certain point. And wow. that blew my mind, you know, thinking about that. So then you then you, you think to yourself, well, then you can actually predict consciousness. And then you look at work like Gerald's done where we look into um, Nikshida having this latent DNA aspect of where maybe when, when we, we reach the right point where it's a more peaceful society where there's more free will, more free will, but not full free will, then all of a sudden that latent DNA will activate and then we'll, we'll wake up, right? And so the right time is very important because uh-huh. if it's not the right time, it's a bunch of stakes of people burning on it. Like in the right. Well, so, so well that's, I'm going to follow up with what you said, Matt, because you're exactly right. I started following uh, Joseph Kalaman's work uh, when he was decoding the Mayan calendar. And this led up to uh, the understanding of the Zulkin calendar, which had nine rows and 13 columns, seven seven days and six nights of creation, right? So you're 13 there in the columns. And it was very interesting to me that that was a countdown calendar that was issued starting from the Mayans' long count date of August the 11th, I believe it was, 3013 BC. Well, if you knew that you know, the nine frequencies were getting dispensed that caused levels of consciousness to unfold, probably specified by the lords of the nine cycles, right? So whichever one's in in charge of this cycle is in charge of how consciousness lines up to be available to be merged into the plane with another dimension of consciousness. And we're talking about the holographic reality and I do have this diagram that I can talk to so I correlate the nine Mayan underworld frequencies in a blog on my website right. with the Zulkin calendar and these potential latent circuits that could come on in humans. I think those come on in a lifetime, though, when you're at the stage. Whereas when we get to the level of consciousness we are now, we're supposed to be a universal consciousness, right, in the, in the Mayan calendar. That happened. And this was, a, and this was a Ian Lundgold's work, and he actually mm-hmm. came up with a Gregorian mapping from the Mayan calendar to our current calendar so you could go back and forth, right? And, and he believed that uh, we were going through the galactic center and that the, the Mayan calendar actually stated that we would be going in October of 2011, not December 21st, 2012. But either way, if we do enter this place, the, the question comes up, A, how wide is the galactic center? How long does right. it take us to go through there? And at what point do we reach the apex of the energy that seems to be lighting up our antennas and waking people up? This There's is no the question it's happening right now. Right. I have that was in my, my first book, and I believe it had everything to do with the dif- differential in energy at the galactic center. Or, or, you know, this place where the solar system is migrating through this equatorial band of the, of the galactic center. Just you know, as smart as you are, I believe that your books came out in the timing that they came out. You know, this, none of this is a coincidence. No, it's not. I was as surprised by it as many other people were. But I was talking about stuff like this. I was an electronic circuits and systems designer, okay? Right. Building circuit boards and writing programs inside field programmable gate arrays, okay? 
from the beginning of the show when you know Rex wasn't on the first couple episodes but I mean when I was reading Gerald's second book and of course I read Gerald's first book when it came out in the first two months you know I'm a very big student of the Anunnaki but it resonated so deep inside of me in my chakras and my energy field and everything about me that I was telling everyone in my inner circle guys this is the book I remember literally talking to Matt and saying Matt you've got to read Gerald's second book. And I don't even think Matt, you had even read Gerald's first book at that time when I first talked to you. And it was no. just. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but I, I have it though. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, no, I know. I'm saying it was so electrifying. It was so electrifying to people who are consciously aware and are seekers to read and absorb. It was just like, like you know, you talk about the electrical capacitance, Gerald. And it was like every you know capacitor in my body was just supercharged. And I was just firing at the most the highest resonant luminosity. And well, when, like, you, when you experience that, that's how you know the information A is for you. Right. And B, watch out because when, when you wake up to that level, generally you get given a new mission. Yes. A yep. mission that's designed to serve. Here it is. And there's no going back either. And that's that's my friend. Mission, that mission comes from none other than the initiator himself. And you oh. know who I'm talking about. Mr. Fall. That's his job. There's a great no torch. You get passed on. You, you yes. get handed the torch. You That's right. Well, it turns out he's got a lot. I mean, million, he's got millions of uh, people that... Uh are his agents, if you will. Well, that's why it's called lights. They're just yeah. light. It just yeah. gives them exactly. that's what the solid torch is. It's just giving out light. Exactly. So, Rux, how crazy do you think we all are? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all crazy in our own right, which is a good thing, obviously. You know, if we were too sane, then it would get boring. But, you know, you're talking about the age of enlightenment and stuff like that. I really think what it boils down to, if you want to look at the bigger picture, is the age of Aquarius. Yes. It really comes down to you. And you look at the stars, and as above, so below. There's a connection from the largest to the smallest. Yes. And yes. when you look at the age of Aquarius, what is that? Well, that's when people wake up. And that's what's happening right now. We're Absolutely. starting to realize how much nonsense and lies and deceit we've been force-fed our whole lives. And I'm actually going to be talking to somebody later tonight after this presentation doing another show because I saw an article okay. recently that said um, in the state we're of, where is it at? Or, no, it's a there. city in Pennsylvania. It's a county in Pennsylvania where they were going to require children to be vaccinated with the, uh, what is it, uh, the Gardasil vaccine, essentially. Right. And so myself okay this is funny because they tried this before they made it mandatory in texas they you know uh, the governor passed an executive order making it mandatory and now they've got dozens of multi-million dollar lawsuits out because of all the side effects and just horrific things that happen to people injected <laughs> with this right. and I, okay so i'm going to do some research and find out if this is really true and they are trying to pass this law in pennsylvania but they they weren't able to so now they're just pushing this pr campaign and so I started doing some research. I looked at the actual inserts of these vaccines. Right. And the inserts, I mean, you can go directly to 
the manufacturers of these vaccines and read the inserts. And you're talking aluminum, formaldehyde. Wow. Uh, then they did a placebo. They did a they did a test against placebo. So they tried to make they tried to skew the numbers because if you think of a placebo, you typically think of something just like salt water or something that's going to have no effect. Well, what they put in the placebo was an aluminum adjuvant that's got a patent by Merck. So it's not a placebo. Oh, it's the same aluminum adjuvant. So there wouldn't be a placebo in. ever involved. Let's put it in it placebo. The same effect as the other one. Yeah. Wow. So I thought to myself, okay, so this blows my mind that this is mandatory. There's actually three states in America right now that it's mandatory to take the Gardasil vaccine. It's Rhode Island, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Washington, Let's let's take this a step further. Hold on, hold on. Let's take this a step further. I started doing research on every single vaccine that you're mandated to take in order to go to public school in most places. And every single vaccine that I looked at, except for a couple that were orally injected or you know orally taken administered yeah administered thank you my mind's going a million miles right now here it's good so, yeah, keep it going okay, so essentially aluminum formaldehyde sorbitol wow latex on the tips of these needles so when you inject it into the bloodstream sometimes the latex will get into the blood absolutely and you can read the side effects right open as day seizures mm-hmm. passing out there's okay make sure if you take this vaccine that you watch this person for 15 minutes because they might they pass might out. Die. The, the person that actually made or, or helped make that Gardasil vaccine came out on CBS and said, I wouldn't recommend this. You, you really need to know what you're giving your children. And so to make a long story short, almost every single vaccine that you give your baby or that you take has some type of adjuvant, not necessarily thimerosal, but aluminum or it's something else in there that's going to cause a little response. It's you know, well, let's add the, uh, the genetically modified blood they have genetically modified dna that they're adding in some of the uh hepatitis vaccines now so welcome everybody to the new world order so, Sorry, so Max, hold on let me ask you a really tough Sorry. question then <laughs> no no this is fascinating we're all big students and anti-vax and you know there's a guy in, in the group in the facebook group i think you guys saw his post today talking about he's panic stricken he's got his third kid on the way and he's in virginia and he knows about I, the- I saw that. So what, so Rex, so what is the big picture? And let me just go down, let me, let me put my reptilian shapeshifter hat on real quick. And let me ask you, I mean, if we're hybridized, if, you know, Dr. Dave Jacobs is right and they're tweaking us and they're doing all these things. So are, is this the new stringent, you know, policy of tweaking the vaccinations and forcing them and mandating them to the people? What is the bigger picture goal? What is the ulterior motive of giving you know, humans or, or hybrids or whatever we are now, these high-risk drugs or, or, or medications, I think it's what, to is, dumb what is us the down. long-term gain or, or end-game goal for this? Dumb Everything down. I'm about dumb to say, us. folks, is just a conspiracy, so don't listen to anything. Okay, no eugenics, um, let's cause designer diseases. Let's go after somebody's nervous system. Let's put something in somebody's body where 10 years down the road, they're going to have a certain reaction where they're going to need new treatments to take care of what's going on in their body right now. Uh, let's, yeah. let's, let's think of all the possibilities here. Now, you can look into, I mean, just read the inserts. That's all right. I formaldehyde. Right, 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 right. right. Thimerosal, that's the best part. That's the stuff that's probably, I mean, the genetically modified <laughs> stuff they're putting in there. And then this mostly harmful made in China. So who knows what they're really putting in them, but they're good for you folks. So, this, so, your, so your take then, and Gerald, you're following this, your take is this is just 
more eugenicism or eugenics, eugenic, eugen, a eugenetic movement by the elites. To and it's changing the DNA, like you said yeah. earlier. Okay, right. Okay, so that's where I was going. Yeah. So if yeah. it's tweaking our DNA, what is beyond the, you know, again, we're putting our reptilian shape-shifting hat on. I mean, is that really, isn't there some something of that? What, what is your, what's your answer to that, Gerald? Well, I think it's pretty clear that there's a culling going on and that if you're not a willing go-along, be enslaved readily, down with the New World Order system, that uh, you're the enemy. So they're basically trying to, I don't know, vaccinate, dust, uh, genetically modify your food source, whatever they can do to you to take away the gift that your creator gave you so that you can wake up and be a hero, they absolutely don't want that. They want you to be a dumbed down slave that's gonna do exactly what you're told. And if you do anything other than that, you're unwanted, and uh, they're, they're going to look to get rid of you. A detuned meat modem. How about Let that? me throw in something real quick. Oh. I've got a friend that is a principal, and she said, because I brought up the vaccines one time, and I said, well, what about the mass studies that have proven that many people, their, their IQs actually have been lowered by at least 10 points after vaccines? For sure. And, mm-hmm. and she said, uh, she's a principal, and she goes, well, at least we don't have to worry about smallpox. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'll tell you. It's almost like they know about it, but it's just like whatever because it's there's no yeah. disease at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even though that's the total opposite, it's really true. It's crazy. So I think I think the long term uh, plan is they want to get rid of your aspirations to know about your creator. So the idea of this fun facts and getting rid of a genetic material that connects you back to the source. I think that's part of the gift that Enki gave us. That that's really it's, it's probably being targeted yeah. to be removed, and I think so, exactly. Rex just well, so it's really just back. part. Of, it's it's really a bigger part and parcel of the transhumanism AI game to just meld us into a non uh, a subspecies of what we really were or, or, or created. You know, before the Anunnaki tweaked us and and, and, and dabbled in us and whatever, and then obviously the, all the other species, which lends us right into the next question. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up, Rex, because I've also, too, been looking at that, and I, you know, as a father of an eight- and a six-year-old in California, and knowing that California has now mandated that you're not going to high school if you're not vaccinated with all these different things, I mean, you know, that's something I have to look towards. I've got to wait till seventh grade now, so I've got a couple of years to figure things out, assuming we're all here still by then, but... Let me throw something out here real quick for you, sure. Jay, because sure. you have kids, and I'm not telling anybody to or not to get a vaccine. You do what you want to do. Um, if you read the inserts and if you actually read them, there's no way you folks, there's a lot of words there that you might not understand. I had to actually Google about a quarter of the, the big words to find out what the actual term was. Right. And I'm telling you, they're telling you right there, seizures, neurological There's disorder, no way if you read a source of it. And then they'll say, okay, there's only 1% chance this person will get this. There's a 1% this, 1% that, 3% that, 4% over there, 5% over here. By the time you add it all up, it's practically everybody. I was about to say 15% die. It's incredible, man. It's, it's absolutely, I mean, again, they're, it's like Gerald just said. They're preying on the go-along, get-along mentality, the intimidation tactics, the high schools and the grade schools, all the people that work there are trained to tell the parents who abstain, oh, you can't do that. You, can, you, you, your kids can't come into school. It's illegal. They tell them to say that. 
But now they've actually ruled in California, and again, I'm sure it's going to be all 50 states before long, that you can't get out. There's no abstention. There's no, you know, abstaining for religious causes or beliefs. I mean, they're basically just forcing us now to be, as Gerald says, detuned meat modems with no heroic mission. But I think something's going to happen. I think something's going to happen relatively soon in our future. And I think along, we talk about how politics is going to evolve and how money is going to evolve, religion is going to evolve. Another large part of our society that's going to evolve is all aspects of medicine. And I think what's going to happen is the pharmaceutical industry with the money and the the idea that it's based purely on on financial gain and not health, and then how it's all artificial compounds that are detrimental and then, and then looking at things like vaccinations and looking at all these things that entire aspect of medicine is going to collapse and it's going to totally have to change uh-huh. and so what we need to do when you're talking about everyone has kids and worrying about these mandatory situations if if everybody doesn't stand up and, and, and demand change nothing's going to happen so that's what we can really do listen to this real quick I, I didn't mean to interrupt but listen to this real quick I went to the website to see exactly what the vaccines that you need to get now, you know, in order to go to public school, what they require you here. And, um, okay, here, where are we at here? This is a big deal. This is a big debate. This is a big deal for Matt and Rex because you guys both have kids that are in school. And listen, when this is all said and done, I want you guys to talk, we're going to talk about this. And and we need to say, okay, let's go to that scenario. Now what are you going to do? Right. No, we're talking about people hanging like this. No, go ahead, Rex. I'm sorry. Listen to this real quick. This is just one shot. They want your babies to have multiple doses of this stuff. I know. Okay, here we go. Um, Ingredients. 0.5 milliliter dose includes 1.5 milligrams of aluminum phosphate, 100 micrograms of formaldehyde, that's just one shot directly into your bloodstream. There's right. nothing to filter that out. Newborn newborn your blood. Developing this is a immune as a infant, by the way, who doesn't yeah. even have a built immunity system yet. It's That's one shot. <laughs> one shot. Yep. One shot. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you, after I read the ingredients that they put in these things, I don't know how more babies don't die. I don't know how we're here, to be honest with you, because this is been well designed. Statistically, it's unbelievable. Statistically, seven to ten percent, and that's the math from thirty years ago when they didn't have all of these new, you know, crazy, um, you know, mixes and, and, as you said, different compounds and, and particulates and constituents. There's, it's so much more dicey now. I mean, again, all we have to look at, guys, is the autism rise, the rise of yeah. autistic children. It is un- neurological disease too. It's parabolically, statistically imp- an impossibility unless this was not all engineered, as Gerald has said multiple times on this show. All of this has been engineered. Rex is right. They're preying off of uneducated people, which again, you know, sheep will do as sheep will do, unaware. Hey, what about the people that know about it, Jay? But they're in fear. They do it well, anyway. I know. I know well, they're yeah. in fear, and that's what I mean. The schools use the intimidation and the fear tactics to tell them, "Well, you don't have an option." You can't, your kids can't uh, Let's go down this path for a minute. What are your options? You know you don't want your kids in an institution. They're telling you you can't go unless you let them stick them with this crap. Well, obviously there's only one answer. You cannot put your kids no. in that kind of situations. So you go, okay, well, I'm going to homeschool my kids. And get them out. and I'm going to suffer financially because one of us is going to have to stay home. Can't right. right? This is the, the, what happens. Yep. Well, guess what? It's more important for you to cut back 
on the lifestyle that you're living and get those kids to a safe place where somebody's not telling them they got to be stuck. You gotta, you got, you're going to have to make radical changes in your life. You cannot go forward the well. You cannot. You cannot. Find a community of people that you can culminate a teacher within them. Figure out a way to do this as a community. The NEA in America has to go. And the government has no business being in the education and the mind controlling of children. Okay? If you were to put kids into a certain circumstance and just simply fan the flame of what that child is capable of, irrespective of your agenda, you would be amazed at what would come out. Yeah. Because they'd all be doing their own missions and we'd all be getting what we're supposed to get. I, I wish the guys that wrote the book, you know, that you know, Krista put into the, the third, the war on masculinity and biological systems, you know, the, the, the sanctity of human blood. I wish those folks would come yeah. out and do a part two and update their book based on today's vaccinations because it's true. I mean, it's exactly as Rex said. If people actually knew okay. what was in this stuff, there would be riots. Nobody... Nobody would even send their kids to public schools. The public school infrastructure would collapse overnight. Well, let me ask you an obvious question of what I see is really disturbing to me. I'm watching people peacefully protesting in the streets all over the world and police officers walking up with a chemical weapon and spraying it in their face and nothing happens. Listen, I'm telling you, if somebody sprayed chemicals in my face, I would not be calm. I'm telling you. Until you fix it to your gas. Would we consider that normal? Like the, that the is not normal. Listen, if somebody does that to you, this is an act of war. Sorry, man. An act of war. So why are people taking it? Like roaches? Okay, well, Jared, it goes back to what we've been saying. I mean, again, 95% of people have no energy balance. They have no alignment. Their chakras are blocked. They can't feel anything. They're so dumbed down. Anything that an authority figure, as Matt says, a savior, a leader, tells them is the gospel. We can't re react. I'll tell you guys this perfect example. Yesterday, or Tuesday, when I was leaving at the airport in Cabo San Lucas, there's this silly, giant, like, you have to, to, to walk into the Baja Cantina in the middle of the airport, which all the people I was with, the four people were leaving, were eating. You have to walk all the way around, and there's this little, tiny stair, and I climbed over it. Otherwise, it would have been taking me five minutes to walk around. And this guy, this Mexican who works there, attacked me and said, what are you doing, sir? I'm like, I'm going to my table. I've already sat down. I've ordered food. I'm paying at your establishment. You can't go through here. You're not allowed to do this. you got to follow the rules. And I looked at this guy, and I was like, you're a maniac. Who cares? Go back to your $5-an-hour busboy job. Who cares about the rules? I'm just going to sit down at my table. But that's the point is, is that we're living in a society where everyone has been conditioned that the rules what must be obeyed it's not about critical thinking or what's the right thing to do or what's the logical or most sensible thing to do it's you have to follow the rules and yeah, I'm 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 hey i gotta throw something out here real quick i got me wound up here now i see people beat up each other over sporting events all the time i watch people get in fights because of the, the certain college that they went to or their political beliefs yet children are being poisoned at a mass scale and, and that's okay now check this out right here. This is one vaccine. This is the DTaP vaccine, okay? For the adjuvant, they use 33 milligrams of aluminum. I'm sorry, 0.33 milligrams of aluminum. Polysorbate 80, Toxic. 
Then they throw in 42 and a half milligrams of sucrose, then five micrograms of formaldehyde, and then 50 micrograms of residual bladderaldehyde. That's another form of, uh, it's like a lower formaldehyde. Oh, and here you go. Here's residual bovine serum albinum. Albumin. Yeah, there you go. That's basically. So, Jared, there's your suit, guys. There's your oh, yeah. clues to destroy your chemoreceptors so that your insulin doesn't work, which you know we've already talked about. Yeah, yeah. well, we had a good discussion about uh, that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, yeah, yeah, every chemical us. that they can give us to overwhelm our systems and yeah. make us function, or I'm sorry, make us dysfunctional, they give it to us. Exactly. Hey, I wanted to give a plug out to uh, the guys who did the book on the forks over knives. A couple doctors wrote this book that Chris yep. just reading right now it's an amazing book and she's had some people asking her about you know i'm on this medication i gotta take this insulin i'm a type 2 diabetic well guess what people hit this research from this book and i 